Oh, that's okay. Morning, church. Morning. Morning uh, for those of you at home, online, uh, we miss you. Or if you're far off and far away, we're glad that you're joining us. You know, um, before service started, I was thinking about Ukraine. And, you know, I see so many posts, and I see so many of us who are like, the war needs to end, bring peace, bring peace. God came to bring peace, and, and I'm like... You know, the Bible doesn't necessarily say that that's the way it's going to go down in the end, you know? So I do want to say a prayer for Ukraine um, before we get started. Father, I lift up the people of Ukraine. I lift up the people of Russia. I lift up everybody that's tied in between the middle of this war right now, Lord God. There's people that are at war right now that do not want to be at war on both sides. So, Father, I pray a ceasefire. Your word said there would be war, there would be, there would be destructive times, Lord, and we understand that's what's going on, and there's a real divisive thing going on in Eastern Europe right now, Lord God, but we pray cease fire. We pray that no more lives have to be lost. We pray that you take this time to bring some more people into your kingdom, that they can come to know you. We thank you for that, Lord. We pray cease fire. We pray over the people of both sides, the women and children that are stuck in the middle of this war, Lord, and those that don't want to have any part of it, Lord, and those that are taking part, we pray for them too. We pray for everybody over there in Jesus' name, amen. Um, wow. Thinking about all that war that's going on reminds me of the story that we read a few weeks ago where I talked about uh, all the kingdoms that were having war around Abraham with Lot, you know. Um, I've really enjoyed our series on Abraham. Anybody else? So far, it's been, it's been okay, right? Good. You know, I'm, I'm new. First timer. Building these long series. But I'm just trusting God. Each week, I trust God. I'm like, okay, Lord, this is what we did. This is where we ended. Where are we going next? And, you know, God put it on my heart to just start that way. Let's, let's start off this new year, new beginnings. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's move forward. Let's educate ourselves. Let's understand why we need our salvation. Let's understand the deep, you know, a lot of the time you come to church, it's like, find Jesus, amen, praise God, New Testament, you know, you're free from sin. All right, amen, that's the gospel message. But we need to know, we need to know where we come from. Why are we the way we are? Why was there a reason for uh, uh, Jesus to die? Why did Jesus have to die? Why? You know, and you don't, you don't understand the answer to that unless you read the Old Testament before getting to the New Testament. Okay, so uh, I wanted to take a quick recount and catch up on our series. Man, I got so much time on the clock. I'm like, wow, how are you going to talk for that long? Trust me, I could talk for, for hours. You know, uh, I, I, was asked to speak, I was asked to speak at a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous this week, and it was, it, was a, it was a fun time. And it's funny because I always ask, how much time do I have? 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 45 minutes? You want 15 minutes of mess, 45 minutes of hope, 45 minutes of mess, 15 minutes of hope? Who's my audience? What are we doing here? I, I can do that. You know, that's, that's one of the gifts God's given me, so I'm using it today, because that's what God called me to do, to use that gift. And so uh, I, was, I was really encouraged during that time, and so I just thought that would be funny to joke with all this time that we have. You know, what do you guys want? You want 20 minutes of word? Or, you know, what do you guys want? I can give it to you. You want it all. Um, so there's this really funny thing that happens at our house. It's not funny when it's happening, but it's this funny thing that happens at our house. I'll say to my wife, I'll say, okay, 
So you're taking your feet out wider on your squats and you're going down to that box and you're locking out. Now, why are you doing that again? And this funny thing comes out of her mouth right away. I am tired of you testing me on what we are doing. I don't need a test, okay? I understand what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And then I poke the bear, you know, I'm like, but tell me why. But do you really know why or are you just telling me that so I shut up, you know? So uh, since I married the church now, we're going to have a test. Let's keep it spicy. Just kidding. But I am going to have some fun and ask some questions. Where did Abraham's journey begin? No. Where did Abraham leave? It was very much north of everything. It was about a 400-mile journey down south. He left the land of Ur. All right. See, this is going to be fun. I was like, all right, I'm like, I'm like if I ask these questions, they're going to know the answers right away, and we're going to jump into the message. Okay, this is fun. Just don't be afraid to shout them out. Okay, I got a, another one here. We're just, this is just recap. This is recap. There we go. No cheating, Dale. No cheating. <laughs> Which family member also traveled with Abram? Lot. Lot. Okay, see, there we go. And whose whose household did Abram leave to go south? Yes, his father's house. That's right. He left his father's house. How old was Abram when he left? 75. 75. Wow. I'm looking around the room. There's nobody 75. Shh. A woman never reveals her age. Um, okay, so he was 75 years old, and we talked about this. I, we, we talked about this multiple times. Like, imagine you, we're going to, you know, we're fast-forwarding. We're living in modern-day times. You've lived your life. You went to college, or you didn't. You worked 40 years in your career field nowadays. You retired at 62. You bought a nice home in Yuba City. And at 75 years old, you have this encounter with God. The Bible starts there. Your story starts right there. How many of us are still working, right? I was looking at the other day. I'm like, oh, I got like 21 more years to 62. You know, like, I'm like, I'm like, okay, if I looked at when I started at 18 to where I'm at now, I'm past the halfway point. Of course they did. Did they just raise it to 68? Yeah, they don't want you to live. They don't want you to live. They want you to work till you're dying so that you don't collect Social Security and Medicare. Don't tell that online, okay? Just wipe that out. I'm going to get shut down by the government for talking up here. But, you know, so, so think about it. So now you're 75 years old. You've retired. You've been retired for a number of years. You're living in Yuba City, and all of a sudden you have this encounter with God. Your story starts there, and that's how the story starts in Genesis. We know nothing about really Abraham's life before that. Abram, Abraham. I'm always going to refer to both because I'm trying to use Abram before the name change. We're going to get to the name change today, so I get to call him Abraham moving forward every day. Um, so, at, so at 75 years old, God calls you out to leave Yuba City and go 400 miles down south to L.A. That he's going to make a place for you there, and you're going to be a father of many nations. And you're childless at this point. Okay. Are you, are you digging this story? Or are you like, oh, no problem, let's do it. Right, no. Everybody in the room, we're like, no. Abraham, Abram did it. He said yes. Okay, and he traveled south. Now, what was the first thing that Abram did when he arrived in the land of Canaan? 
Yes, yes, he built an altar. Remember this, we talked about building altars in our lives. He built an altar to the Lord. Okay, now, remember here at 75 years old, you've left Yuba City, you've gone to Los Angeles, and as soon as you get there, what happened and caused him to have to leave the land? Famine. Famine, famine, famine. Okay, now there was a famine in the land. So now you've been called out by God to leave your home. You've gone 400 miles south. You're 75 years old. You get to where you're going. You build this altar to the Lord. You thank him for what's going on. You're trusting God. You're trusting God. You're... We have the Bible. We have 66 books. We have the Holy Spirit living with inside of us. We get to come to church every Sunday and hear a message of God. You have the opportunity because you own a Bible at home to read God's word. Abram didn't have any of that stuff. Okay? But he did this, right? He did this. Now, where did he travel when the famine came? Egypt. Elena's on it. <laughs> All right. Now, I heard this I heard this answered a few times. What treacherous act did he commit while in Egypt? He lied. He lied about his wife. Okay. So now he's down there, he's, so, you know, he's trusted God to leave, he's down south, you know, we just keep recapping this stuff every week, but by the time we're done with the Abram series, you're going to know everything about him, right? You're going you're gonna to be able to come up here and I can sit down there and take a one-month sabbatical, that'll be three years from now when we finish the Abraham series, and I'm going to listen to you teach me about Abraham. Just kidding. So, so um, he lies about his wife, so does the, does the Pharaoh of Egypt kill him? No, that's what I would have done, right? If you were Pharaoh, you'd been like, smite this non-Egyptian who came here lied to us. But no, he gets sent back out, and he gets to leave with extra stuff. He leaves with all of his possessions. He doesn't get killed. He doesn't lose anything. He actually leaves with more. So he leaves Egypt, goes back into the land of Canaan. Now, after their return, who left his presence and went into the better-looking land of the east? Lot. All right, you guys have been paying attention. All right, so these next few are uh, much easier. Abram's, Abram and Sarai's faith were exhausted. They acted on the flesh and didn't wait for God to do what? Man, give them a son. Perfect, exactly. Give them a child. Okay, what was the name of the maid servant that Sarai gave to Abram? Hagar. Okay. And what was the name of the son born to Abram through Hagar? Ishmael. Okay. Now, how old was Abram when Ishmael was born? Thank you, Jaslyn. 86. Okay. <laughs> he was 86. So how many years have passed since he left Ur? 11 years. Now, let's stop there. So let's look at this 11 years. 11 years have gone by. He was told at 75, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. He knew he didn't even have any kids. He's gone down, he's built an altar, he's gone through famine, he's left the land, he's come back, Lot's gone away, Lot's come back, they fought in a war, everything's good, he's back living in the land, and God appeared again to him and said he was going to have a son, don't worry, the promise was good, and then their faith was exhausted, and remember they made the covenant, right? God made the covenant with him, God passed through the burning pieces, now Sarai's like, I'm not going to have a kid. Here's Hagar. This is what God's plan is. Right? I mean, can picture it. That's what she's saying. Right? She's not just saying, here, take her. No, she's saying, 
if God really has this plan, this is what he must need to happen. So here's Hagar. So they acted in the flesh. They didn't wait. They didn't trust God to do it the way he was going to do it. So 11 years have gone by. I like recap. I like follow-up. It kept everything relevant. So now we're going to look at an even longer waiting period. Thank you, Dale. Another 13 years after Ishmael's born in the last chapter that we just finished is where the story is going to pick up. 11 years of a lot of stuff happening and a lack of faith, a lack of trust. This is going to be good stuff today. So another 13 years goes by before our next recorded interaction in the word of God about Abram. So we don't know, I, I, I wrote here in my notes, we don't know what communication he did or didn't have with God at this time. But what I can say is obviously in this 13 years, none of the communication that he did or didn't have was about the son. Because in the story it picks up and he talks about the son again. So that tells me that for 13 years, he didn't hear anything about the promised son. In fact, maybe, maybe we could speculate that they thought, you know, Ishmael was a child, even though God said to him, no, Ishmael's not going to be the one. You're still going to have a son. 13 years goes by. You're doubting again. Your faith is exhausted again. Well, let's look at the story, and it's in your book. It, I, I, I've been putting it in the notes, so that way you can directly follow along. I don't know who brings the Bible. I don't know who doesn't. I know I'm gonna, you're going to read it from the same translation I have it in, which is I, uh, the New King James Version, so here we go. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Verse 3. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, check it out. My covenant is with you. And you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Well, because God made you a son and a precious child of his after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, remember that in the book of Revelation that you will someday receive a new name. And remember my joke, it may be X2349 Alpha 9, because everybody's going to have a different name, and that's going to be tough, considering we have 7 billion people on earth now, and a list of names doesn't go very far if you look up names for new babies. So you're going to have a strange name, don't know what it's going to be, it's probably going to be in the heavenly language, okay? No longer shall you, your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Verse 6, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I like the word fruitful there. Key word for yourselves to remember. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you. So when you think of the word fruitful there, and then you think of the word nations, you would have already accommodated that. Like, oh, he's going to be fruitful. He's going to multiply the earth. But no, there's going to be fruit from his, fruit from his bloodline. Fruitful. Think of fruit, gifts of the Spirit. So I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants. Now Saul was not of Abram's bloodline, but David was. You see that? I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you and the king of kings 
And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also I give to you and your descendants after you in the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan. We know that's going to take place, but over 400 years later. As an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And to this day, they still inhabit the land. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout the generations. Verse 10. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Now, plot thickens. Shift here. Pick this up. Remember, we're digging into God's word here. Every male child among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins. And it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. That's key. And it shall be a sign. It's not, you have to do this in order for me to fulfill the covenant. This is a sign that we have covenant. So, he who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations. He who is born in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. Correlate that with the Gentiles. Okay, see the correlation there? Now, he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised. And my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. So now he's renamed Sarah as well. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of many nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Oh, I'm going to tell you why I think this is so funny after. Why I think it's so funny after. So he fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham, and Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. So remember what I said. See? They're like, dude, Ishmael's got to be the kid. We're good with that. We know that this, what, you're talking about the impossible here. We're good with this. It's happened. We have him. Then God said, No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and here's the first time you're going to hear this name, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I've blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Then he finished talking with him, and God went up from Abraham. So Abraham took Ishmael, his son. Okay, shift here. So God took, so Abraham took Ishmael, his son, all who were born in his house, and all who were bought with money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day, as God had said to him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that very same day, Abraham was circumcised and his son Ishmael and all the men of his house, born in the house or bought with money from a foreign, foreigner were circumcised with him. All right, a lot to chew on there. 
Okay, so in all honesty here, it's taking an extreme amount of faith to move forward at this point. Okay? 24 years have passed since God said to Abraham, because he's renamed now, now we can call him Abraham forever. 24 years has passed since he said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. 11 years later, when their faith got squirrely, he had a son the wrong way, illegitimately, to God's promise. 13 more years have passed, and God appears to him again and says, I'm going to give you a son. So, a total of 24 years after his first encounter with God, to trust and believe him again. And to trust and believe me, I need you to do one thing for me. I need to cut you to cut off the tip of all your you-know-whats. Come on, it's, it, you know, not, hey, online, in the house, this is what we're reading here. Think about this. I haven't given you that son yet, and I've made a lot of promises, but now you need to do this. And that's going to be the sign that we're in covenant together. I would be like, ah, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> when I wrote my notes here was something funny. There's no son yet. I'm old. My wife is old. And before getting the son that you're promising me, I'm going to have to cut off the tip of the thing that makes the kid. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. Right? Do, do you feel this? This does not make sense. But you want to know something? Abraham did it. He believed. Something supernatural must be taking places with these encounters with God because Abraham trusted and believed. Because most of us at this point would be like, I'm done. I was done 13 years ago. I was done five years before that. Think about your life where you are today and rewind the clock 24 years and imagine right now still waiting for a promise from God and then him asking you to do in a completely outrageous act before he's gonna fulfill a promise. Think about it. Wherever you're at right now, 24 years ago, you have this encounter with God. He makes an outrageous promise, something that would have been impossible even then. And now all this time has passed and you're here today and then God asks you to do one more incredible thing. Right? Were you one? He was one. <laughs> A lot not born yet. So let's look at Abram's bold faith and see what nuggets we have today. So number one in your notes, El Shaddai enters 13 years later. The term El Shaddai means God Almighty. In the New King James Version, you read, I am God Almighty. But you see, God introduced himself as I am God Almighty for a reason. Our common interpretation of Shaddai today is mighty, and El is God, so God Almighty. The root meaning of this is like overpower, meaning God will do what he purposes to do, overpowering all opposition. So God is introducing himself in this thing. He's not just saying, hey, I'm God. I'm the God of heaven. No, I'm God Almighty. I'm El Shaddai. I'm the God who can do anything. All right? That's who God introduces himself as. So A, he introduces himself at El Shaddai. Why? Because it seems that we're at a point when nothing can be done. Nothing can be done anymore to fulfill this promise. I'm 99 years old and my wife is 90. We are not having a kid. It's not happening. 
right? So, I love this. When nothing can be done and you've lost all hope, that's when God brings his biggest miracle, right? That's when God brings his biggest miracle. You have an example of that, Chris? I sure do. I could go through quite a few, but I had one that I really liked. So remember, Abraham's 99 years old. Sarah's 10 years younger. This is an example to be encouraged if you're waiting on God's promise because that's when God does things in the last minute. God has done it throughout history. Read your Bible. In the last minute, that's when God shows up and does the biggest miracle. I got a praise report this morning from somebody in the house. Amen. That's their story I won't share with anybody, but amen. It was a praise report, and it was one of those last-minute things, right? And I was like, dude, that, I was like, oh, I love that. I love that. I love hearing things that coincide with what we're teaching. It always lets me know. It's like that affirmation from God, like we're on the right track, Chris. Just keep going. So give me that example, Chris. Well, God isn't in a hurry. You are. Many times throughout the Bible and history acts, this is how God responded. Think about Moses and the children of Israel at the edge of the Red Sea. Okay? God shows up in the last minute with a big miracle. (laughs) Go to Pharaoh. Tell him you're going to take the people. Tell him to let you go so you can go worship me. We already know the story. Ten plagues later. We already talked about I did that series. The ten plagues were against the ten gods of Egypt. Right? And then finally Pharaoh's like, get out of here. They gather all the stuff. The people give them everything. They've just left the town with all their gold and silver. They're running out. Where are we going to go? They're starting to chase us. They get all the way to the edge of the Red Sea. There's nowhere to go. We're dead. We're going to die. They're going to kill us for what we've done. We've hurt them over the last year through these plagues. Pharaoh's son is dead, and we just left the city with all their gold and silver. That's what's going through the minds of the people. We're going to die. And at the last minute, God showed up and did what? He parted the Red Sea. He performed the biggest miracle with two-minute warning. There's 13 seconds on the clock, folks. A lot can happen in 13 seconds. So let's look at what happens next in this story. God calls him out with a new name. Remember, I talked about that, the new name. And you're going to have a new name one day. The Bible promises that you are going to have a new name. Okay? That is what God's word promises, a new name. Now, what did his name change from? Well, it changed from exalted father. That's what Abram meant, exalted father. That means lifted up on high. He changed his name to father of many. So now Abram's been renamed Abraham by God. And his name, excuse me, sets the tone for what God has promised. Well, what else happened in this story? Three, circumcision was instituted. Circumcision was instituted. Now, what did circumcision represent? Well, I'm going to read some kingdom dynamics here that I put in my notes. But the first thing is, A, cutting away fleshly dependence. Do you remember that I stated a second ago the crazy thoughts that I would have had if I was Abram, Abraham? Here I am, I'm 99 years old, you're promising me this kid, and now you're telling me to perform this act that could create a problem for the act that you're saying is going to happen. Okay? Right? 
But what is it representing? Cutting away fleshly dependence because they'd already acted on the flesh 13 years later. Who knows, maybe this was their punishment. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Maybe this was, hey, because you didn't trust me then, this is what you got to do. You know, but remember, this was not, this was not a, a part of the deal. This was just something God wanted them to do as a sign. So what else does it do? It gives hope for future posterity and prosperity. Okay? Posterity and prosperity. Now, the kingdom dynamics, circumcision's significance, the blood. Remember when there's a cutting, there's what? There's blood. The act of circumcision, this was the kingdom dynamics from our, from our uh, basically good, really good notes from my Bible. The act of circumcision was required as a sign of the covenant previously established with Abraham. This was not a new covenant, but an external sign that Abraham and his descendants were to execute to show that they were God's covenant people. Now, I don't know if people were running around naked like, hey, they're circumcised, but the reality is this was a sign that was on them only that set them apart from everybody else, from all other nations, all other tribes, all other people. There was something different about them. So that's what this represented. The fact that this was performed upon the male reproductive organ had at least a twofold significance. The cutting away of fleshly dependence, like I said, and the hope for their future posterity and prosperity was not to rest upon their own ability. They'd already acted on their own ability 13 years earlier. Circumcision was a statement that competence was being placed in the promise of God and his faithfulness rather than in their own flesh. Again, I would really be doubting at this point. I would be doubting. 24 years ago, I was... 17 years old, if I'd... Now, I think around that time, somebody prayed and told me that one day I'd be a pastor. And here I am. Crazy, right? But I wouldn't have thought about it that way the last 24 years. Now, if it was a different promise, or maybe, you know... And, and it, you know what? Let me back that up. I had people tell me that one day I'd be a pastor. And my life went in a different direction for a number of years. And then I was restored and recovered and, and brought back into God's love and grace. And I remember I used to go to recovery ministry at my church. This was about a decade ago. I would go to this recovery ministry, and I used to feel this way. I used to feel that when I was sitting at church that people would be like, oh, there's Chris. He's part of our recovery group. But then one day, as God started to restore my life, I think two years later, I was sitting with an elder at our church at the time, and I went up and I talked to him, and I said to him, I said, you know, there was a time that I used to feel like people would say, hey, there's Chris. He's part of the recovery guys. But now I feel that when I meet people that they go, this is Chris. He's our recovery guy. And I watched that change, right? And I would tell you that from my background, I would have never imagined from that original promise that here I would be. But guess what? Here I am, pre-circumcised. Didn't have to do that this year. <laughs> Had to circumcise my heart, I'll tell you that. Now, what else does God do in this story? God establishes Sarah. He gives her a new name. Not only am I going to rename you and give you a new name, but I'm going to rename Sarah. She was no longer to be viewed as princess. That's what Sarah meant, princess. She was no longer to be viewed as princess. It doesn't tell us in anything of what her new name meant. Just letting you know that right now. Oh, Chris. Sorry, I don't, I don't have a, there's nothing here in the, 
in our original scripture that gives us a good uh, definition of that. God promises to establish his covenant through who? Isaac. Now, what does Abraham do? Recap, baby. 24 years in, he laughs. 24 years in, he laughs. He hasn't had a kid. He had Ishmael. So now he's being told he did it wrong. And now you need to do this. And then we're going to move forward. He laughed. He didn't tell God what he wanted to say. That's my opinion. How am I going to have a kid? I'm 99. Sarah's 90. And you want me to do this. He didn't say it. It's not here. But he's thinking it. And we don't know what to say. Hey, listen. You hear what comes out of my mouth all the time. You don't know what goes on up here. There's a big space in these three inches. Okay? So, what does Abraham do, though? What do we need to do? What do we need to do when we're at the edge of the Red Sea and, and, and God has given us a promise and we feel utter doom, utter hopelessness? It's not going to happen. What do we need to do? We need to do what Abraham did. He obeyed and he believed on God's covenant. Abraham obeys and believes on God's covenant. That's tough. What he did here was tough. You know, we know that Moses spoke to God through the burning bush. We don't have it in this story what form, what, how God was really communicating with him here. You know, um, I know I've said, you know, when the Bible says God walked and talked with Adam in the garden, well, that was because Adam without, was without sin. See, and because of our sin, we're not able to be in the presence of God because it would kill us, right? And when Moses was going to meet with God, he said, I've got to put you here in the rock, and I'm going to put my hand over it and cover it because if you, my glory would kill you. But Abram's righteousness here, he had these interactions with God. So obviously, it was powerful enough that he trusted. He was like, <laughs> okay, I'm 99, she's 90, and you're going to make us do this, but... I'm going to believe you, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do this. He did it. So, what did the circumcision also represent? Well, he circumcised his blood. That was him, his own bloodline, everybody born in his house, all the males. And he circumcised his slaves. So I wrote here in my notes, this meant that outsiders and foreigners were also going to be established under the covenant. Amen? Outsiders and foreigners were going to be established under the covenant. Now this was some good also kingdom dynamic stuff. So I don't know if any of you are familiar with Jack Hayford. He's a big part of our Foursquare movement. Jack Hayford, he's retired now. But um, Jack Hayford was a big part of our movement. So the Bible that I have is, is all... All of my notes are from Jack Hayford. This is what Jack Hayford wrote. This meant that outsiders and foreigners were going to be established under the covenant. An Old Testament sign of the new covenant with the Gentiles. Some scholars believe this Old Testament day of circumcision to be a birth of God's people, a counterpart to the New Testament day of Pentecost. Yeah, that's good, right? That's what this was. And the New Testament day of Pentecost was God pouring out a spirit on all people, on all the people. Jews and non-Jews, okay? Because where this happened, there was a lot of foreigners living in the land. I mean, this was all Roman occupation at the time. So, 
we've been given a promise. Now, praise God, there's only one thing that you need to do today. Only one thing that you need to do in order to establish yourself to be under the promise. And what is the promise? Life eternal in heaven with our Lord, right? The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, point to my heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right? The circumcision of your heart is cutting away the fleshly dependence and you're believing that Jesus came and died on the cross and washed away your sin so that you could be white as snow and no longer filled with crimson and that you don't have to live under the burden and the shame and the guilt that sin brings. And when you have Jesus, you don't become sinless, but you sinless. I love my people. You guys are hearing me. Okay? When you have Jesus, you don't become sinless, but you sin less. And, and, and we begin to prune ourselves, right? And we let God prune us. And Jesus prunes us. He prunes away those things in our lives that don't belong there. All right? That's, that's what this life looks like. We've been given a promise, and here we are today, listening to it, learning more about it. I come to church every week to learn God's word. And now I get to be the guy to teach God's word. And there's a difference between teaching and preaching. When you're preaching, you're preaching a gospel salvation message. When you're teaching, you're helping mature believers from spiritual milk to spiritual meat. And when I come up here, I want to teach you. I've spent a lot of time in God's word before I ever came up here. Lots of time. Okay? It's why I God put me up here. He prepared me for this. He didn't just say, okay, you there who's never read the Bible from cover to cover, you're going to be our guy. It didn't work that way. It was a long process, lots of time. And so I'm honored and privileged to be able to come up here and be held under God's accountability and teach from his word. I love you guys. I love this church. I want to see us grow. And we're going to keep coming back every week in the natural and let God do the supernatural. And every week, if we keep coming, that seat's going to end up with a person in it. And that seat's going to end up with a person in it. And that seat's going to end up with a person in it. And we don't know what God's going to do. We can all be praying. But maybe in five or ten years, we grow so big, we have to blow up out of this building. I don't know. But what I do know is I'm going to keep showing up week in, week out, and I'm going to teach from his word so that we can continue to mature as believers. So um, I'm really encouraged, you guys. And this series on Abraham has been really good. You know, I, I, I'm feeding myself going through this stuff. Because I'm slowing down when I go through it. You know, and um, I've learned a lot about Abraham in this series that even I didn't really look at. You know? Looking at that human nature side of Abraham has really been encouraging because, we, like I said, Abraham's a hall of faith. He's a hall of faither. Well, guess what? You're all hall of faithers. You get to be hall of faithers. 
If they wrote a new Hebrews, you'd be in it. Hall of Faith. Right? Well, we get to read it when we get there because he's going to tell you. He's going to be like, hey, I, uh, I added you to this uh, Hall of Faith here. Because your faith was deep when this happened in your life. And your faith was deep when this happened in your life. And your mother's struggles allowed your faith to grow even deeper when you all struggle with this in your life. And then you overcame this. And then you overcame this. And then you faithfully attended that church for a number of years and you helped save the lives of this, this person, and this person. Isn't it going to be great that one day God himself is going to tell you those things? Wow. Just wow. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for our church. I thank you for I thank you for your vision here. I thank you for your word. Your word is living and powerful. And we read from it each and every week because we allow it to sharpen us, Lord. Your word is like a double-edged sword, Lord. It cuts away the things that are no good to us and it grooms us, Lord, and prepares us for what's going on in our lives, Lord. And Lord, I pray over our faith right now. Hall of Faithers right here in the room. I pray over these Hall of Faithers, Lord. I pray over everyone here, Lord God. We show up week in, week out. We do the natural and we give you the supernatural, Lord. Well, we need, we need more of that, Lord. We're, we're, we're here. We're expecting. We are expecting, Lord. That's where you want our heart to be. And Lord, don't take us all the way to the edge of the Red Sea. But you might. But that's okay. Because you know what we know? We know that if you take us to the edge of the Red Sea, that you're going to part it for us. So, Lord, we're waiting for your biggest miracle or one of the biggest miracles right now in this church. We're ready to grow. We're ready to grow. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for all the faithful, Lord. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, I have an announcement. Two announcements. Young adults, 18 to 30, here tonight, 6 o'clock. I'll be here with pizza and a few drinks. Come on out and join us. We'll shoot some pool, get some ping pong, talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'll be here. I'll be a part of that. Um, Bok Kai. Anybody heard of that? Okay, that festival and that parade is next week, Saturday. Now, the church council here, we've discussed lots of plans for outreach. Amen? I told you in my charge, when you commissioned me to come up here, I said, we are going to outreach. We are going to go out and tell people about Jesus. We're going to go out and be the light in a very dark world. Amen? Bakai is next Saturday, and the parade is going to go down D Street, D Street in Marysville. Now, our faithful Skip and his lovely wife Kelly, who's also extremely faithful, they're equal faith, they're equal yoke, I'm telling you. Skip's not here because he had knee surgery. Let's pray for his recovery. He is the fine established owner of the Marysville Music Cafe on D Street. I don't know if you knew that. Go support them if you're into music or not. But next week at 11 a.m., the parade starts. 
Next door to the Marysville Music Cafe, he owns the event center. This church family is going to be in the event center. We're going to be handing out some flyer pamphlets of our keystone identities of who we are and what we believe. We'll be there to offer, we'll be possibly selling some refreshments. We don't want to collide with vendors that are selling for money. Um, we'll, We'll get all the details worked out. Come be a part of that outreach if you can. If you can. Yes. And you're going to be offering to pray for people. So we're going to be there. I'll be there. Bibi will be there. Jaslyn will be there. Some of us will be able to be there. Some of us will not be able to be there. If you can be there, come be faithful. careful because I don't want to offend because I don't know what goes on in everybody's life here. I don't. I don't know what goes on in your lives. But what I can say is that God has called us to do something greater than what we want to do. This thing's like, get, am I low? Hello? Hello? Here, I'll just talk like this. Listen. <laughs> Listen. Come be a part. Come be a part of something greater than yourself. That's all I can encourage you to do. Come be a part of the mission. The mission that Christ did said when he left this earth was go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and tell everyone about me. So that's what we're going to do next Saturday. We're going to be there at the Bakkai Parade to tell people about Jesus because I don't think they're going to be celebrating Jesus, but we're going to be there representing from the hood our Lord and Savior. Amen? All right, so if you can be there, uh, I'd be happy to see you there. For those of you who are online, come out and join us. And with that, we will now conclude.